At Meridian Audio, we deliver extraordinary experiences. We create moments that bring people together, forge shared connections and make unforgettable memories. Don't just take our word for it. Experience audio as it's meant to sound. With a visit to our Cambridgeshire HQ, it's the home of high-res audio. Hello everybody and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the Home Integration Community for the Home Integration Community. My name is Jeff Hayward and in this episode we're talking collaboration. How should home integrators work with developers, clients and other trades? What are the challenges of doing that and what happens when it works but what goes wrong when it doesn't? Welcome to The Integrated Home. Today, we're joined by Joe Carey, Commercial Director at Prestige Audio, and Chris Thorne, Director of Residential Control and Integration Specialists, Imperium Building Systems. Welcome to you both. Hi, Joe. Hi there. Joe, tell us about you and Prestige. Well, Prestige have been in business for 35 years. Um, They've been focusing on two-channel audio in the early days, and about 25 years ago, got involved with audio, video, cinemas, one of the first Crestron um, dealers in the UK and one of the first Lutron dealers in the UK. So they've got a great heritage. My background, I'm the new guy. I've been with the company um, nearly three years. In, in July, it'll be three years. But my background comes from a slightly different world. It comes from two-channel AV and um, a larger organisation. We had 150 people in six um, in six different countries. And I, I say ignorance is bliss because coming in from a different world actually gives you a different perspective and allows you to ask why. So we'll cover some of those things in today's discussion, but that's a bit quick background on me. Excellent. And what about you, Chris? Hi, Jeff. Um, so uh, Imperium, we're, we're five years old um, as a business, so uh, you know, relatively young in the grand scheme of things. Um, but across the four directors, we've got sort of circa 70, 80 years of industry-specific experience. Um, but we come at things from a slightly different perspective in that we are more uh, focused on the um, uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, control aspects of the HVAC side. Um, so my personal background, um, I did a four-year apprenticeship with a company called Trend Controls, which is part of the Honeywell Corporation. And Trend are the UK's leading BMS manufacturer, so uh, manufacturing control systems, building management systems, typically focused in the commercial sector. So in terms of the sort of first 15 years of my life um, spent with that business in this industry, it was working very closely with a range of um, mechanical, electrical consultancy businesses, uh, building developers, main contractors uh, and M&E contractors, looking at the specification, the design and the the installation and ongoing management of uh, control systems that are more tailored towards commercial applications. Um, And what was interesting for me towards the end of that that period working for Trend, I started getting more involved in uh, working with companies that were looking uh, more closely at large MDU uh, construction projects where you had um, fairly commercial grade control systems being installed to to uh, cater for the the, the um, challenges and the, the demands of the M and E services going into those you know sort of large apartments and residential properties, 
And that's really where my sort of interest uh, and focus on the residential sector came about. Now, I think what's, um, you know, interesting in the sort of luxury residential market where we typically see, um, you know, the audiovisual products and brands like your Crestrons and the Luchons of the world, uh, in those sorts of properties where you have the products of that specification and, and that sort of cost point, um, they have far more commercial grade HVAC and ME services and infrastructure going into those properties. So they they need uh, control systems that have enough clout and enough um, you know technical capability in order to manage all of the infrastructure going to those properties. So um, with regards to the other three directors, again coming from the sort of commercial uh, controls background, but dealing again a lot with you know large scale residential. Um, uh, companies that you know work in, in that sector so we've all uh, specifically come from the control side but we very quickly applied those experiences and the relationships that we've built you know throughout those those careers um, to to basically you know put ourselves in, in a market leading position as kind of one of the go-to controls companies looking at the luxury and the prime residential market so in terms of this kind of discussion that's really where you know I think we sort of um, you know, as a piece of the puzzle where we fall into place in terms of having that uh, interaction and that, that sort of required collaboration with the companies that are focusing more on the audiovisual side in terms of putting in the, you know, the, the cinema rooms and the, the bits that the people see on the wall as opposed to the bits that, pe- that people don't see behind the scenes that we do. Very good. Thank you. So um, collaboration, that's what we're talking about in today's episode. Um, Joe, what what do you understand by collaboration in in the context of how we're going to talk about it? Essentially, we offer the control and the automation of AV, BMS systems, lighting, security, um, irrigation, all of these things together in in one platform. And by inclu- by doing you know by in, in incorporating all of these items, we we, we call we. All of this technology is really fast-paced. Um, it changes on a monthly timescale. New products, new solutions come out all the time. And being such a fast-paced industry, there's new, this, this technology sometimes doesn't merge together very well. And we call it, you know, we like to call it a smart home because you're controlling it all together. And, we, the, you know, we want to make this seamless as possible and by collaborating together we end up with a much better solution for the client and we'll we'll dig into the details of that but it's really for people to work together from the very beginning of a project when at the at the embryonic stage i think that's really interesting because we we talk about this industry being all about integration and for some people that stops at integration of subsystems on a on a technology basis but what you're talking about is actually integration of contractors all working together on a site is that right correct excellent is that your take as well chris uh, absolutely i think joe's hit the nail on the head there um and equally you've summarized it perfectly well there as well um you know the, the technology evolves very very rapidly the the ability to integrate technology has you know in the last decade has 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 moved on significantly and to be honest there's not really an awful lot technology wise and product wise that we can't hook together in some way shape or form you know when we when we install and put these systems onto site the 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 issue i think and what we're sort of really trying to touch on and and kind of discuss here in this in this um podcast is 
is where you've got to apply that that integration mindset from a design perspective as well. So typically what we find when we're in as a subcontractor, subspecialist putting in certain systems into property, we've been working to a design brief. So we've got a very good idea about what our system should do and the way it should do it. And at some point along the line, we need to then integrate that with another technology platform that's provided by another provider such as Prestige. And the issue is that often the way in which those two systems are going to hook together and the information those systems are going to share has not been considered early enough. So we're, we're sort of chasing our tails a little bit in terms of trying to bring these systems together. And, you know, that leads to a number of issues throughout the, the process. And then, and then, you know, more, more concerningly can lead to ongoing issues for the user's perspective when they're trying to live in the property and manage their systems. Do you agree with that, Joe? I completely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We've made huge advances in actually the technology integration and, and how different devices, different subsystems can now talk to each other, you know, without huge amounts of programming. But it's it seems that it's the human level where there's more work that actually needs to be done. Absolutely. Yeah, and, it's, and as Chris says, it's from the very, very beginning, you know. It's at the design stage and all the way through to the very end at handover. And there's various steps along that process, which I'm sure we'll cover, but it's the whole process. Yeah. So what, so what in your mind, Joe, is good collaboration? Well, good collaboration is when you're working on a project that has all of these subsystems. And we go back to the word smart home, where you've got all of these subsystems, they're all working together. And what the client actually sees is the AV control which is either a remote control or a touch screen on the wall that controls all of these systems. And at the very beginning in the design stage, the designing of the lighting, the designing of the, the design of the BMS system, all of that, we can do a better job, a better experience for the client, a more robust system if it's designed as a team. So the, te the team that involves the AV, the building management system, the lighting control, the security, for example, all those designs are put together in as one design that we know is going to work. We deliver that. We then commission that together as a team. And then we hand over together. Couldn't agree more. So um, what, what, what's, pro what's the problem? Why doesn't it work at the moment? Um, so, as I said, I think one of the, the main reasons for that is um, it's down to history, I think, uh, in terms of, you know, a legacy way of thinking and a legacy way of working in the industry. So construction is obviously a, it's such a significant beast um, in order to kind of change working practices in, in such a huge industry. Um, it's very, very difficult. And, and we're very proactive um, in the industry in terms of trying to uh, re-educate and deliver that message. So, you know, we spend perhaps a disproportionate amount of time working with consultants, developers, you know, architects, anyone that we can kind of get to really, um, trying to deliver that message, which is that collaboration and, you know, right the way through the process, right, it, you know, in, in the best scenario at day naught, where you put the the all of the interested parties around the table as early as possible so that they can all share um you know uh, information around what they're going to need to do and their experiences and then we can kind of put those minds together and, and try to address issues before they become delivery problems throughout the project so 
So I think it really is, is in many respects, just down to the way the industry has typically worked up to this point. Um, and then again, it, it then falls back on through the delivery process. We're then into the, the kind of contractual relationships and the contractual liability, I think is, is obviously one of the, the, the key points there uh, in terms of people wanting to make sure that, you know, that they've, they've complied with, with their brief. <laughs> Do you think that's a, a question of um, cost that people think, uh, people hire up the chain, I don't know, contractor, developer, client, take your pick. They think, well, if I get these guys involved earlier, it's going to cost me more money. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. It, it really can be. And, and sometimes it can be the most frustrating of issues as well. So, you know, positioning of sensors, for example, you know, very often we, we're not necessarily, um, we don't necessarily have enough of a say in terms of where a sensor would go in, in a particular space. Now, the positioning of a sensor is actually quite critical because it, it, it defines how well that sensor is reading and therefore how well the environmental systems are controlling. Now, very often positioning and, you know, placements of sensors and that the, the choosing of sensors will fall into the hands of an interior designer perhaps or an architect or even the end client because it's something that can be visible so obviously from an interior design point of view these you know these these professionals are you know they paid lots of money to make the place look fantastic um, and so for them when they look across a wall that's been specifically designed to have mirrors pictures and, and features keypads in a certain place they don't want to see a temperature bead sticking out of the wall you know for them it, it affects the, the the you know the whole um, aesthetic element of, of what they've done um, so they will often tell you know installers or contractors to put a sensor in a certain location which you might have direct sunlight hitting it in the morning for example uh, and that can just cause absolute chaos with the with the heating and control system so then when we then come back around and we're then in trying to commission and we're saying no the sensor needs to be moved sometimes you've got to you've got to stop destroying walls and plaster and decorative works so the costs can be really significant and that's just one example you know sometimes if cables or you know certain uh, mechanical devices aren't put in the right place you can imagine the costs of having to try and move them when the house is, is now built <laughs> trying to be occupied so actually you're absolutely right you know engaging with with us sooner there, there could be some upfront design you know costs that need to be factored in but they would far you know balance out the the, the costs of trying to deal with snags and issues later on and and, and i guess you've come across no, a number of scenarios where a lack of collaboration has, has caused issues down the line have you got some examples of what can happen if you don't collaborate early enough yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, there, there's there's numerous examples um, across different sort of aspects of the process, really. Um, you know, it, at its basic form, it might be where you, um, from an install point of view, where you would expect to see a cable, you know, where we're going to fit something on the end of it, maybe a sensor, or from the AV side, they may be wanting to fit a, uh, you know, a touch panel or a keypad on the wall. Um, and if you have an electrical contractor that's that's doing the electrical install, you would expect to see a cable coming out of the wall here <laughs> at point X, and actually the cable's <laughs> three meters on the other side of the wall. So you know that that's that's a, a kind of a loose example, and I guess you know that's that's not just around collaboration; that's just around good communication and making sure that everybody is is updated in you know perhaps design changes or whatever. But a, a really good example, I think, is where. Um, we see this quite a lot where we will, where we come into projects uh, where perhaps we haven't had enough um, influence or conversation with the, the guys on the other side of the table on the AV, where and this is one of my biggest bugbears where we we, we see a, a touch panel display user display on the wall 
you know, it doesn't matter if it's Crestron, C4, whatever. Um, and uh, in terms of heating and cooling control, one of my biggest bugbears is where we have a heating and cooling set point displayed on the user display. Now, for people that understand how to control, uh, you know, heating and cooling systems, uh, it might seem quite easy, but trust me, it's, it's, a, it's quite a theoretical discipline. Um, and, uh, you know, you would understand that your cooling set point would always be higher than your heating set point. So, for example, you would heat the room to 18, your cooling set point would be set at 20. So you would only, when you get to 18, you cut the heating system out, you have this dead band kind of vacant period in the middle. If the room then increases past 20, that's when you would instigate the cooling. But very often what we see when we go into properties is that the, um, the heating and cooling set points have been set the other way around by the user because intuitively the user would think cooling is obviously a lower value than heating. So they would set the cooling set point below the heating set point. Um, and this causes all sorts of issues <laughs> with how the heating and cooling works and really get its knickers in a twist. So, so that's, I think, an example of where perhaps just that knowledge and experience from the controls, the HVAC controls guys like us, if we were to input that into the process earlier with the AV guys, they would they could build in measures within their, you know, their UI or even better, just provide a single set point value to the user on the display. And then we manage all of the intelligence around when the heating and cooling comes on and off within our system. You know, the use the end user doesn't have to see or understand any of that. It should just work. And when it's done well properly, it does just work. And ultimately it's in your interest as well as the A V integrator to have a happy client, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the benefits um, really speak for themselves right the way through, you know, to the, for the developer, for the client and for all of the subcontractors, you know, AV, HVAC, it, it doesn't matter. Um, if we can deliver a better project within budget on time with less issue, everybody wins. It, it's, it, 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 it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. It really is a win-win for everybody from client through to every supplier that's involved. Uh, and the net result is we all go on to win more work because you have happy clients who want to use you again. So it's really within a, everyone's interest and you know, specifically from the collaboration between AV and BMS, it just makes so much sense because, you know, we're between the two of us, we're fundamentally putting in all of the systems that actually give the user the control, the comfort, you know, everything that they that they want from their property. It comes from the systems that we that we give to them. Do you have any other examples, Joe? Yeah, we've got, you know, several, you know, we get called in to do um, rescue projects and sometimes we take them on and sometimes we don't. Um, and even on some of the jobs that we've done where communication, you know, you, you, you we'll start off with projects that we've done where we communicate, right, we're going to do intelligent lighting control for all the lighting circuits. These are the loads and, you know, where we do a smart, an intelligent lighting system, our modules have got uh, an amperage loading per circuit, and we send these off, and then the electrician gets it, and all of a sudden we have fuses that keep tripping because it hasn't been designed properly from a lighting perspective, and you know the client gets frustrated because the fuses keep tripping because the load on that circuit's too high. And then once it's been plastered and finished, how do you fix that problem? Mm. When you've got one tail with loads of current on it, the client lives with that problem. Now, typically, Joe, the AV uh, contractor would get involved earlier than perhaps uh, Chris's 
team on the HVAC or security control side. Would that be fair? As Chris mentioned, with an interior designer, you know, they may want a mirror TV on top of a fireplace and then they can't do that. So you start playing. So, yeah, we do get we get brought in early because, as 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 mentioned, what we do is quite bespoke and there's a lot of design element that goes into it. And ultimately, it's in your interest as well as the AV integrator to have a happy client, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the benefits um, really speak for themselves right the way through, you know, to the, for the developer, for the client and for all of the subcontractors, you know, AV, HVAC, it, it doesn't matter. Um, if we can deliver a better project within budget, on time, with less issue, everybody wins, you know, specifically from the collaboration between AV and BMS. It just makes so much sense because, you know, we're between the two of us, we're fundamentally putting in all of the systems that actually give the user the control, the comfort, you know, everything that they that they want from their property, it comes from the systems that we that we give to them. What are we trying to what are we as an industry trying to achieve? You know, we're trying to make the life the life of the client better, aren't we? All of this technology, all of it, at the end of the day, is to make it easier for the client. And if it's not designed properly, installed properly, you could end up with a system that actually makes it harder for the client to live in their property, which is not the end goal. And we right. see this oftentimes. And, you know, where we go in and we do, you know, we go back and, you know, we get a call, our system isn't working and we go and do some rectification work. And you go in and you can see that there was a lack of collaboration on a particular project because things aren't talking to each other the way they should. And right. it makes the life of the client worse. This is not what technology should be doing. Is the message getting across to developers and contractors that this is the best way to, to approach it? Because, I mean, AV technology is much more prevalent than it used to be. So surely they're working with this sort of stuff much more. They must be getting familiar with some of these issues that can arise, don't they? Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, absolutely. I think... You know, as I said before, we we are working in an industry that is is, is very vast and 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 you know it's it's a significant animal. Um, so change is going to be much more progressive. I think. Oh, sorry, I'm on the ride. Is going to be slower than we might like. But I think what we're certainly seeing here, where we're working with you know clients um, through you know repeat business, is those lessons are definitely being learned. So where we are. We have um, project teams that are coming back together for future jobs. I think we've all we've all learned, and we, we you know we're starting to adopt a kind of new way of thinking and a new way of working together. And and it's definitely proving that each and every time that we do do that, that the jobs get better uh, and run more smoothly, and the clients you know end up with a better result. So I we're definitely seeing change, and and also what we're also noticing in some respects is that. Um, we're now being approached and, and working sometimes uh, directly for the developer as well. So that's a, a relatively new kind of model for us, which is great because ultimately what that does is it does put us towards the, um, it, it moves us you know, closer to the, 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 the front of that design sort of process rather than sort of engaging with us later on when you know, contracts have, have been tendered and appointed, we're, we're involved earlier on so we can influence the design. Um, and then typically we would then, you know, work alongside the same project teams in, in terms of the, the M&Es that we worked with previously. So the challenge for us is, is striking that, that that correct balance because it makes a lot of sense that we are um, appointed and contracted through an M&E uh, for obvious reasons. 
Um, so it's 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 making sure that as these changes happen, we you know we're also mindful of of those those kind of contracted relationships and making sure that it, it still works as well as it can through a delivery process. And in, in practice, I'm really interested because there's a lot of talk about collaboration and, and how that works. And I think um, what you're talking about is a deeper level than, than just uh, having having a meeting at a design stage and saying, this is what we're going to do, Chris. This is, so just so you know, you know, you're talking about a much deeper partnership than just just attending the odd meeting together, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's sitting down and designing the original, the, the base, the, the system together. It has to be, you know, like we, I mentioned earlier on, it's it's steps, isn't it? It's the design, design together, deliver together, commission together and hand over together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's, it's therefore building that understanding of how the respective businesses work from those specific points of view. And, and you know, the net result in the longer term is that, you know, collectively, we want to be seen as as a collection, you know, uh, a collaboration of businesses that that can deliver a better solution. So hopefully, you know, clients in the marketplace would want to seek out businesses like us in order to work on their projects because they know they're going to get a better end result. And again, from a client's perspective, in my my eyes, what the client cares about, particularly from the AV um, experience, is. Well, they want the experience, don't they? They want a premium experience. That's why they're paying you guys to to go in and deliver, whether it's a wow factor home cinema or a totally integrated property or whatever it is. They want to be impressed, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The client does. And the main contractor, um, you know, he's got to deliver a project that the client's happy with within a given budget. And I think there's a misconception here from main contractors that it's going to cost more because at the end of the day, I think it actually costs the same amount of money. You know, you get a better job, better features, a better design from the get-go. It won't cost any extra money, but you will definitely end up with a better job, which is what it's all about that we've been talking, you know, we've been talking about that earlier on in the in this conversation, delivering a better job. Mm. Do you think the, that uh, the construction industry itself needs to go through a modernization process? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I really do think so. I think, you know, if you consider the rate of uh, change, development and advancement in technology, it's extraordinary. So, you know, you've only got to look at your mobile phone or even the technology that you have in your car. Um, you know, the, the automotive industry in terms of its technological uptake and, and advancement is is really extraordinary. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you were to look at construction, it's very fair to say that the kind of methods for construct, constructing uh, and building buildings uh, is probably very similar to how it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and obviously there'll be advancements in technology that they use for designing or producing drawings and different fabrics and materials, but actually the methods and the contracting methods are probably largely very similar. Um, whereas technology probably has an 18 month, two year kind of refresh rate in terms of its, you know, how quickly it moves on. So the, the, the advancement in technology, I think it has accelerated so far past what typical construction methods, um, you know, have, uh, but we've got to be realistic and also understand that from a main contractor's point of view, you know, they, they're interested in bricks, mortar and putting a building up and then they they rely on the specialists underneath them to do ME design and install the HVAC infrastructure and the technology so it's how we kind of 
how do we manage that disparity? And I think it largely comes down to education. Yeah, I'm interested to know how uh, how we can um, do things now to make it better. And I, I guess I guess it's about the AV contractor uh, where they are appointed by the client or have that strong relationship to educate the client to impress upon um, the other contractors or consultants involved that this is the way they want it to go. Um, but ultimately, we've got to be educating everybody, haven't we? Because it, it's it's such a such a, uh, a conflicted specification and management process. You know, everybody's got a, a finger in the pie at some point. It seems to me. Yeah, and particularly the M and E consultant, because the, you know a lot of people. You know, the the concept the con the the concept or the the industry thought is that the M and E the M and E consultant is responsible for all of this and because and and because of the speed that the industry is traveling at from a smart technology and soon it's going to develop from smart to intelligent it's going to get even more complicated and that integration of everything i think and the m&e at the m&e consultant and the av specialist should be pushing for this type of deeper collaboration as far as education goes, Joe, do Prestige get involved in delivering education to um, architects, interior designers, uh, consultants, any consultants at all? Um, we haven't done as much as we should have done. We should do, but yes, we are. We're now, you know, over the last year, we've been doing more and more training. I think from from what I can see, a lot of CPD content seems to focus on um technology education but actually what we're talking about is a process a project management education almost though don't you think exactly yeah with, with the with the with the focus of what what chris mentioned earlier on you know it's about delivering an enhanced client experience at the end it's in it, its it's teaching them that it doesn't have to it doesn't cost them any more money you know chris mentioned earlier on that at the end of the project, you know, we talked about blame game and you've got these meetings to rectify. Well, a main contractor, one of his biggest costs is labor, man, manpower, hours. And all of that can be saved at the end of a project if it's done correctly at the beginning. You don't deliver CPDs to contractors, do you? Or do you? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is that is definitely one way we can do it. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, you know, ideally, it, it's and as I said, I think as a as a business of our size, it's an area that we um, we do spend a lot of time on. Um, so you know, we provide full design services. We've got a lot of M and E contractors and consultants where we're very happy to routinely go in and provide seminars, talk to people about the latest products tech how we think it should be designed and implemented um and also you know looking to to do that in partnership and in, in a collaborative you know way with companies like prestige for example where we can collectively go in and deliver that message addressing both sides of the table um you know that that in itself is perhaps an even better scenario and then and then add in the manufacturers of the tech as well so you know companies like Crestron, Control4, whoever that might be. So working closely with those guys, if we can, would be even better because then we're really covering all bases. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it is through CPD seminars, um, you know, making sure that we can go in and touch as many people that are involved in the process as possible um, to kind of, you know, to spread that message, I think. Um, 
you know, and very often we'll go and we'll have those discussions and then we'll see companies that, you know, they, 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 nobody sits there and shakes their head at me and says, Chris, you're talking nonsense. Everybody understands exactly what we're talking about here because they've all felt the pain. But it is still very interesting how many companies seem to be um, unable to then implement, you know, enough of a change in through their, through their business. So again, I think that probably comes back to just how set in, 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 in our ways that we are in this industry. I think it, I think you're right to point out it's a historic mindset. You know, there's this pitching subcontractors against each other as a way to pin blame and reduce cost is, is a well-known tactic, isn't it? But, um, but I do think, I do wonder whether this, uh, this lockdown period, you know, everybody's been getting on, uh, having to collaborate more, I think, and there's been a lot more Zoom meetings going on. Maybe, you know, people are aware of, of what can be done, working together, being more efficient. I don't know. What's your take on this situation and how it might change things? I I, I, I very much agree. Um, I think one of the things I've certainly noticed is that people seem to have a bit more time to have a chat. Um, so I think, it, you know, the... Um, you know, this situation has kind of put us all, forced us all into a position where we, we've had to reflect on how we do business and, and uh, you know, look at how we, you know, um, upskill our businesses and, and think about training and education. And also, uh, you know, a great example, um, you know, I was talking to one of my co-directors a couple of weeks ago and he was explaining to me where he was uh, involved with a project meeting which was had over zoom and there was lots of different interested you know uh, companies in that discussion and the the zoom meeting lasted all of about 15 minutes where apparently they went through all of the issues they needed they addressed all the points everyone agreed and they all got on with their lives and he's he sort of he called me up to tell me this story because he said i've just had the most bizarre experience we've had this project meeting we've we've, we've ticked off everything we needed to get through we've you know done 15 minutes you know ordinarily that would have been a, an hour's train journey into london get to the office, meet and greet, sit down around the table, go through an agenda, have the discussion, and then, you know, a train journey back. So he said it would have been at least half of his day gone. And he managed to get it nailed out in 15 minutes. So I think people are going to start looking much more closely around how we can operate more efficiently, how we can work more closely and, and better together, um, you know, in the longer term. So I do think there's there's going to be some positive, you know, that will come out of this for this industry for sure. What about you, Joe? Do you, do you see anything good coming out of the current COVID-19 lockdown? Yeah, I just want to cover something that um, Chris just said. I think I totally, totally agree with that. You know, we've become a lot more efficient. But you know, whilst it will bring some sad things to bear, mm. you know, people won't survive. Some companies will not survive this, which is a shame. But mm. the positive that comes out of it from our point of view is that the stronger ones will remain and get stronger the, the companies that do a good job that deliver good results will get stronger and from a selfish point of view um, people are spending more of their time at home and people are now discovering clients that we've got say wouldn't it be nice if we could do this they're starting to under, understand and use that technology a little bit more than they have in the past and i think the cinema industry will get stronger and I think that the clients will start to play around with their systems a little bit more and challenge what can be done. Thanks, guys. That was great. That's great.
WWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. Thank you, Joe and Chris, for your contributions. Remember, we're available free on podcast platforms everywhere. And if you're enjoying listening to what we have to say, then do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at IntHomePod, on Facebook and Instagram at IntegratedHomePod, and on LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of Meridian Audio, AWE, and Sony. We are a Wildwood production.